Promise no promises. Ages of receivership. The podcast Promise No Promises unfolds a further series of episodes devoted to ages of receivership on generous listening. The series emerged from the Spring 2022 Master Symposium at the Institute Art, Gender, Nature, HGK, FHNW, moderated by Chus Martinez and Quinn Latimer, in collaboration with Wuslat Foundation, which focuses its activities on the act of generous listening, hearing beyond words, understanding it as an essential element of each of our connections and constellations. The contributions to the symposium were devoted to forms and ethics of listening and how they are entangled with aspects of poetics, coloniality, gender, spectatorship, critique and non-human worlds. While hearing has, until recently, often been described as a passive act, listening is broadly understood as an active way of engaging with the other, with oneself and with nature. If certain assumptions subscribe listening and storytelling to women and elders, the broadcasted voice is often gendered as male. The talks of this series discuss such ancient and recent ideas about the politics and gender of sound, while addressing listening as a key methodology in reaching goals of political, ecological and artistic equity, from decolonization and democracy building to issues of mental health. This podcast series features talks and performances by Kate Lacey, Ora Zatz, Dylan Robinson, Bill Dietz, Noor Mumbarak, and Jasmina Figueroa. Episode 5, Repetition. Noor Mumbarak's visual and sound work has been featured in exhibitions at KIM, Contemporary Art Center in Riga, Museum of Contemporary Art in San Diego, and elsewhere. Her performances have taken place at the Hammer Museum and Lex Art, both in Los Angeles and Cambridge University, among many other places. In her talk, she shares the composition Father Fugue, which is composed of conversations with her father, a polyglot who has a 30-second memory and improvised cappella songs by Noor Mubarak. This record is a meditation on love, repetition, memory, impulse, long, and parole. This record is made of mostly two components. One, improvised a cappella songs and phonetic utterances, usually recorded while driving, throughout. And two, conversations between me and my father. As I've told you, my father has a 30-second memory. Usually, after about 30 seconds of conversation, he can't remember what we discussed 30 seconds prior. With our two voices, his creates conversational structures akin to a Baroque fugue. A central motif is expressed, exchanged, then, because he forgets what he just discussed, it modulates and is repeated, recycled, but in a new iteration. There are only a few central, essential themes to my father's conversation. In listening, you may discover some. Also, my father grew up speaking Italian, Arabic, French, and English. Language occupies a different cerebral lobe than memory, so much of these four languages are still intact for him. Sometimes there is cognitive dysfunction and he emits some hybrid linguistic phonemes. 
In his company, his state often feels like a metaphor for contemporary life. As Saussure points out, if you repeat any word enough times, its meaning starts to completely disintegrate. In this record, much is repeated. In 2018, we're so constantly inundated with signifying symbols, images, language, it is starting to become increasingly impossible to concentrate or to be able to even register meaning as it comes. Perhaps one day we will stop exchanging meaning at all anymore, and all we will be transferring is the sensation of attention exchange. In the classic double split experiment, famous in quantum physics, we learn that in the very act of giving an electron or matter attention, or by simply observing an electron, the electron changes its form and causal effect. By measuring an electron, the electron changes from a wave to a particle. Attention, observation, is that which creates quantum events. Generally, we see that attention, or if you'll allow me to make this leap, which I actually find is totally justifiable, we see that love is what drives the fabric of causal reality. By being handed any transfer of sensation, we are being given access to affecting the universe. We as humans create systems of meaning to facilitate exchanges of dopamine activating attention, but these are secondary objects, material manifestations of that ineffable thing that we are always incapable of accessing because we are attempting to access it through objects. This record speaks to that, not literally, but in playing with system breakdown, both cognitively and through repetition. You'll find that most of the record is a cappella. This is an economic maneuver. If one uses only their voice to make work, you can always make work. I think the record will be called Father Fugue, as it is a play both on the contrapuntal compositional technique and on the fugue as a lapse in memory. Publicité. Do you like to sleep? Yes, mademoiselle. Do you ever dream? Of course. Do you ever have anything? Do you have anything that you ever remember dreaming about? Yes. What? The future, mademoiselle. The future? The future. The future. You dream about the future? Yes, mademoiselle. Like what? What's going to happen? What's going to happen in the future? Like what? Can you name one thing that you can imagine? The one young cavallero, the exceeding young cavallero, Christie's Pinas, more and more, more and more and more. Once met the gay senorita, exceeding gay senorita, and gave her shots, more and more, more and more and more. Et voilà, c'est fini. C'est fini? Quoi? L'histoire. Quelle histoire? L'histoire de, 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 
Il y avait une fois, dans la ville de Froid, un marchand de foie, de foie qui disait ma foi. C'est la première fois et la dernière fois que je vends du foie dans la ville de Foie. Once the gay señorita, exceedingly gay señorita, and we have six shots. More and no more, more and no more, no more. Then I got him. Nasty disease, exceedingly nasty disease. You blacken the tip of more and no more, more and no more, no more. Then I call him Stampy Stampito, exceedingly Stampy Stampito, because he's still sixty shots. More and no more. Qu'est-ce que c'est ça? C'est un portrait de C'est un beautiful country. What is beauty? Yes. I guess uh, I make work using sound for a few reasons, and listening, I think, um, is something that is very important to me because um, I like the ephemeral quality of sound. Um, and this question of um, this question of uh, being able to work with a medium where it's presented and it immediately disappears, um, and uh, What ended up happening with that record was, you know, there was so much about sound and cognitive divergence, and the way that presence was is is constantly you're constantly being presented. As I was making that, I made the record, and then you know, um, it transformed into then wanting to be able to couch these um, these sounds into an object that would somehow also keep being sort of some kind of relentless move toward trying to grasp that that void which sound and listening so so much brings to the forefront and then takes away I took that sound piece and I put it in um, some speakers that I made I, I grew out of mycelium so uh, so then these that sound piece ended up becoming these objects made of mycelium. And the reason that mycelium became something that I wanted to work with was because of its ability to become sort of a material manifestation of what sound and um, memory in this case ended up becoming. So, so much of sound and f of listening. For me, there was some kind of obsession with retention and with um, something which becomes somehow uh, that, that we listen and that we absorb. But then, of course, like with Pauline Oliveros and things we were discussing, like the idea of deep listening or the idea of just being able to, to, to just be present and create um, some, to just absorb 
sound was something that I wanted to manifest materially in some way. And, and mycelium, which is the root structure of the mushroom, was something that was interesting to me um, to make an object with because of the way that it um, expands. In, when I use saprophytic mycelia, which is a death-loving mycelium that eats dead things and creates decay. And so for me, it became something of an object that was creating a presence through through decay, through through a constant cycle of, of ephemerality. Um, so I'll just show you here how these worked, which is so you're gonna hear a later a piece later from that same record, which is a moment where my my father and I just start exchanging sort of um, sort of sound poetics, just utterances, which he's very willing to do. Um, this idea of the meaning of what's being said being uh, less important than than just um, saying something. were the objects and um, yeah I got really into the idea of phatic communication so the idea of communication that's just based on creating some kind of signal to another person it's sort of speaking and listening for um, just socialization for social purposes I, and what that ends up meaning so that is that work and so that was um, something that I made in 2019 I showed it at McDonald's Miguel's, a Miguel Brew Gallery, and then after that, um, I sort of wanted to keep working with this idea. I really like the idea of, um, you know, spatialization and sound. So much of what we're doing when we are listening is also we are listening with our bodies. We are listening to other people within their bodies, um, and that there is a there is a source, a sound source. There's of course like the idea of the acousmatic. Um, when you can't link the source to the object. There were these, these questions, which I think people who are interested in sound end up um, encountering, but then I wanted to continue sort of that, that work, and I, and I spent a lot of time being a vocalist. I was interested in vocal extension. You know, this, there are like artists like Joan LaBarbera, Meredith Monk, who use their own voice to be able to try and, you know, John Cage called it um, the decreation of language, or um, Kurt Schwitters, these artists who wanted to work uh, again with like um, rupturing that, that connection between language and sound. And um, they were doing it through their own voices and then I was thinking how it was interesting that we were doing that when in fact we have, the human instrument has a huge breadth of sound that's being lost with time, with the expansion of sort of economic um, languages that are sort of homogenizing our human instrument. Um, um, so, you know, Mandarin and English are 
super widely spoken, and yet the Ta language in Botswana has, you know, 122 phonemes and is um, and only 2,000 people speak it. So that's a lot of sound that the human body can make and that the voice can make that we are losing. So I made this piece called Allophone Movement, which there's the idea of the sound of the human instrument. There's the idea of the human body being the carry of the sound. And then there's the listening aspect. And I was reading this book, The Race of Sound by Nina Sun Eitime, and she was talking about how, you know, the person who creates the voice is not, um, it's not necessarily just the speaker, it's also the listener. When we listen to somebody's timbre, we start to create that person's socio, socio you know, th th their whole place in society starts to become drawn as you listen to me, as you listen to other people, and there are different ways that we choose to resonate our voice. So all of these questions were playing in my little mind, and then I thought that I would make a piece where I used the UCLA Phonetics Archive um, to create songs. So I used over 40 different languages to create micro slices, to create a composition that I could then sing and perform and move my body to. It was six channels, so there's speakers around the room. And so putting into relief, you know, the, you as a listener, which speaker are you listening to? Where are you? And then my body would move inside the performance space, outside the performance space. I would whisper into one person's ear as a singer, you know, and this idea of performance being and, and listening being something that a spectator becomes so absolutely involved in because there are some points that they can't here can't access there are points when you can't see me there are points when you hear me from far away so um so that piece actually so it starts with allophones movement which is using the phonetics archive and then it goes to phonemes movement where i use my own voice in that same sort of sound setup and uh playing again with spatialization of sound this time using the voice as something which just was singing uh tones with hopes to create um harmonics that you know, um, hopefully would create some psychoacoustic effects. So if I was successful, I don't know, I'm not a good scientist.
so then I was thinking about all of these um, these questions some more, and uh, I was asked to do a, a, a sound installation um, in conjunction with the artist Nancy Lupo's work. And Nancy Lupo had made um, 16 benches. She'd made 16 aluminum benches that she put into a, um, a park, a public park in Los Angeles called Pershing Square. And so I decided that what I wanted to do was I wanted to continue my, my work with the voice and with listening, and I wanted to take, um, I just want I, I, I spent a month going around the park and recording people, and I had no real agenda. My agenda was, my, the, my only way of choosing who I would record was if I felt comfortable making eye contact with them. And then, I took those voices and I, um, I put transducers on, on, uh, on Plexi that I attached to the benches. And um, this is the first iteration of this performance where they were just hanging on the back. Eventually when this was shown at, um, in, at, the, at the MCA San Diego, I was able to make it so that the transducers were fully under the benches and were able to make the benches vibrate so that as you sat on different benches, you would feel the voice um, in your body. Uh, maybe I missed a step there. So then those voices, each one got attached to a bench. And so each of these benches um, resonated the sound of somebody's voice. And uh, a few things to say about that. One was um, Los Angeles, like a lot of places in the world, is in crisis. And um, you know, I was going up to people and just asking if I could record. I said, do, 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 I'll give you $20, $20 if you want to talk to me for up to an hour, as little as 15 minutes. And you can say whatever you want. And keep in mind that anything that you say um, could end up being in a recording. But I, I don't really care what you say. I just want to get your voice and use that to turn these benches in, into instruments. And most of those people were homeless. And um, most of those people spent the time just talking about um, how hard it was living in LA. And so then the piece, just through the process of listening and recording, the piece became something that I had no intention of m making it. I mean, the content of the piece ended up being sort of choosing itself. It, it was self-selecting just through the act of listening. And then I, there were certain words that I asked people to say so that I could have moments where I could then compose in post um, sort of uh, moments where they could be saying the same word or, or saying colors and things like that so that I could play around with the harmonics. And then, and then depending on where you were sitting, made a, uh, of course, you were recomposing as the listener. I dated two homeless men, those dear boys, solely because 
I was afraid. There we go with the fear again. And so I, I kept them because they pursued me, but I kept them for security reasons to keep the other men longer. It's obviously hard to document a 16-channel piece in stereo, but that's, thank you for your patience. There was just one thing that I wanted to say, which is that I'm interested in sort of intersensory displacement, as I like to call it, and like I like to think about sound as being sort of giving access to a facet of aesthetics, which is possible in other in other me me media or material with other senses. But, you know, maybe sound is especially good at um, communicating memory or um, impermanence, ephemerality, um, for the reasons that I talked about before. And so I just wanted to quickly show this piece, which was that I made some more mycelium sculptures. These ones were sphere studies. And accompanying that exhibition, so um, these are outside, I buried five amplifiers underground. And this was an exhibition where I made a bunch of spheres out of mycelium. The sound component of this exhibition was um, that I put a, a microphones in my studio in an X formation, and then I just spent a day in the studio rolling spheres of different materials and different sizes around um, my, my studio, and then that became broadcast out as you walked into the space. So as you were looking at these spheres, then you were hearing underground um, spheres bouncing sort of in negative. That was, again, the idea of the sphere, the sphere in sound, and the sphere listening to a sphere rather than looking at a sphere. Now I just I've just made this piece, which is called Locus Lacuna. Again, drawing on memory and sound. Um, and so I'm with this piece. I wanted to be able to uh, recount a, a memory um, of when I was 15, right after 9/11. Actually, I was 16. Turns out, but uh, right after 9/11, I was in Paris and I had to get exercised because Satan was in my body, clearly. And um, so I wanted so so I wanted to be able to explore again sound, memory, and space and architecture. And I was thinking about Francis Yates's book, The Art of Memory, which there was a there was a mnemonic device that was used in medieval times. You might know about this, like the memory palace, where people would memorize the inside of architectural spaces and they would place with which in, within each room of a cathedral that they would memorize, they would place um, objects, uh, symbolic objects in their minds to be able to um, cue their speeches. And that's how they would remember when they would orate and when they would speak. They would, um, they would walk in their mind through an architectural space and that would cue what they would say. And so um, I, I'm still, you know, like a bit, you know, I don't have any real answers, but the idea of connecting architecture and sound and memory and space um, are things that I um, am trying to do. So here I made this painting of a plush seat being the locust. That's the seat I was sitting in when I was exercised. And um, you zoom into this space, and the corner of each space of this painting has a track attached to it. So you have four simultaneous tracks that are playing. And so now I'm going to hit play, and I'm going to move through this image that's going to be super zoomed in. And as you do that, it's sort of this idea of when you recount a memory, and when you are a subject, recreating a memory in your mind, so much of it is somatic, so much of it is something that is 
is riddled in your subjectivity and what is reality is actually sort of a, a bunch of these, these variables. So as you move through this piece, information starts dropping out and I was also taking, I was recording on reel-to-reel -reel tape, I was dunking that in hydrochloric acid, there were, there were analog methods of, of mechanically degrading the sound and sort of having time and subjectivity um, become represented in these mechanical processes that then wear down and break down this sound that we listen to. Okay, so here. Promise No Promises is a podcast series produced by the Gender Center for Excellence, a research project of the Institute Art, Gender, Nature, HGK, FHNW, Academy of Art and Design in Basel, conceived as a think tank tasked to assess, develop and propose new social languages and methods to understand the role of gender in the arts, culture, science and technology, as well as in all knowledge areas that are interconnected with the field of culture today. If you're interested to get more information about further podcasts and events related to this project, please visit detank.ch or subscribe to our newsletter at info.kunst.hgk at fhnw.ch. Editing and voiceover, Elena Cesar. Music, Niklas Kammermeier. Research team, Tabea Rotfuchs and Marion Ritzmann. Press and communication, Anna Franke. Technical support by Esther Hunziger, Karin Bohrer, Konrad Siegel and Chris Handberg. Copyright at Institute Art, Gender, Nature, HGK, FHNW 2022.